be like, hey, I want to fix this. And if this is a problem, I'd rather have it out in the open than Mm -hmm. all these people thinking it, you know, underneath the surface and never saying anything. That definition is different for every single person. But it all comes down to like how it makes you feel. And of course, like that's something that's in our control too. Like you could change the way that you perceive something if it's more of an irrational line of thought. When do you draw the line as far as being overtasked with things that you don't actually have to do or even for yourself saying, okay, this is my limit. Like this is where I know I'm working hard, but I'm not working to the point of absolute exhaustion. Internal fear. Like what are you so afraid of that you can't just like stop working or, you know, like cross something off the to-do list that's unnecessary? Like what are you so afraid of? Hello? Hello? Hi. Hey guys, it's your host, Sam And Emma. Here with our 32nd episode of Before, Before We Make It. Woo. Welcome back. We are here. We're here. My evening. Better than ever. Better than ever. My evening to Sam's early, early morning. How are you today? <laughs> How are you coping with this early recording? What a better thing to do than rise and shine in the morning and record an episode for you guys. So I'm honestly more than ecstatic to be here. Yeah, and I don't know I'm how you ready do it. To talk. I'm ready to talk about this deep topic because you and I, you know, we, we got to set some boundaries here. Yes. No, literally, today's episode is all about boundaries. Obviously, we're going to do our classic segments beforehand. But yeah, this topic is definitely going to be a new one for us. I can't believe we haven't talked about it. But with season two you don't even know we're gonna come at you guys with some new stuff we're getting more vulnerable out here and also (laughs) we're gonna bring you guys more of just emma and i because we know that well someone told us that our last episode had episode one energy which is really good (laughs) and we want to bring back the mojo of like when we were back in our college apartment just rambling about these topics that meant a lot to us at the time and still do Mm -hmm. still do yeah honestly speaking of college you haven't seen the text that i sent you yet but i had a little meltdown today because (laughs) college is starting tomorrow or school is starting again tomorrow and i'm seeing all these for our university yeah well for high school too like my mom's going back to everybody's starting school pretty much tomorrow and so tears I was seeing how the kids at college are moving back like this past week and I feel so old and I was just like I sent you a ton of texts like I miss our college department I miss Bridgerton nights with ice cream all of that stuff it's just oh it's so crazy that that's chapter is over oh my gosh mine yeah I know just drooling over Simon that was our day-to-day I know I miss that we actually have this just one just one long marathon and that was amazing but it yeah. was just enough to get us hooked and i agree you had said something like oh i felt so alive during those days oh my god it's not like we're not living now but there's something unique about being in a college setting so yeah i definitely agree with you there yeah it was our comfort watch was like we, yeah and we would only watch a select like few episodes there's this really good point at the middle of the season and there's oh, you know, dude. yeah y'all I mean, know y'all know y'all already know and it's literally timeless it's, we are not going to give it that old stamp it is quite timeless yes but let's get into it all right let's start with truly obsessed this is our segment where we talk about all the things that we have been loving lately so to take it away okay guys 
So my first favorite is sheet masks, of course. There's actually this stem cell repair one that my grandmother uses all the time. And she bought us like a ton of them. And my mom and I have just been going through the pack. And pro tip, if you put them in the refrigerator just an hour or two before you're about to put it on your face, it has the most amazing cooling effect. It's amazing. My second favorite is this makeup item called the Eborian CC Red Corrector. It's basically like a CC cream, but it's green. And it's for, you know, if you have naturally more like reddish skin or you get swelling in the morning, I just put it on with some sunscreen. And lately that has been like my to-go face makeup routine because I want it to be super light. People don't wear heavy makeup here. It's a magic bottle of goodness if you have just like skin issues, like redness and stuff. So I definitely recommend that. And last but not least, I have been reading a ton of samples of books just to find my next read. And lately, I've been really enjoying Nowhere But Here by Renee Carlino. It's actually really good, really spicy, <laughs> just romantic in all the right ways, but also interesting. So pick that book up if you get the chance. Ooh, that sounds really good. I need you to send me the link to that because I haven't read one of her books in a long time. I still have to read Sweet what was that one that you recommended to me? It's called like Sweet Nothing, Sweet Something. Sweet Thing. <laughs> Sweet Thing. It's there you iconic. go. It's her first novel. Guys, I love her. So yeah, <laughs> read Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, awesome. I feel like you've been killing it with the skincare game lately. So I love that for you. No, it's why I'm here, guys. Okay, amazing. I'm going to talk about mine. I have a few favorites. So the first thing I have is a podcast. It is called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing Podcast, part of my French. That's literally what it's called. Mm. I found it on Spotify, and it's so good. It's these three women, and they'll talk about different authors and their writing styles, but then they'll also go into like the details of publishing a book and all of these really like technical things that you don't know. And so it's very educational and really interesting and also just entertaining. They're really cool. Then I've been back into Fleet Foxes. They're an indie band. And now that it's almost fall, I'm just, I'm trying to get into the fall vibe. Like I have this scent going on in my room that's apple, butter, frosting, like totally Ooh. fall. Yeah, totally fall. I don't even care that it's hot outside. Pumpkin spice lattes come out tomorrow at Starbucks. So <sighs> I'm just ready. But Fleet Foxes have a very autumnal sound to them. And the last thing is the Laneige <laughs> Moisturizing Cream Cleanser. It's just a nice classic face wash. Love it. Really like good to make your skin glowy. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Honestly, it does not feel like fall at all. I know that the vibe was set in our apartment around this time. Yes. But when I'm in when I'm in Korea, it literally does not feel like that at all. It's still so hot outside. Like the heat here is insane, guys. People wear these umbrellas that are meant for the daylight just to get around because the heat is that unbearable. So it's so crazy that fall is upon us. But we'll have much content around that coming up soon. Yeah. Um. I'm excited. I mean, you kind of have to make it within your own space and home. I feel like when you go outside, it's never going to feel super fallish, especially where we live. But yeah, I'm still excited to be like in that mood, even if it's 90 degrees outside. Yeah. And I definitely think her families also impact that a lot. Emma's mom is she's such a decorator. Like she's like interior, like, you know, make it all cute and stuff. My mom, on the other hand, we do not go all out for fall specifically. But that is a tradition that I'm setting in stone in my own household. Yes. <laughs> whenever uh... I get the apartment and stuff. So it always 
it always changes things to set that candle and maybe put up a bit of decor. Yeah, pumpkins put some place. a billion pumpkins. My mom has a closet full of pumpkins. So yeah, I'm if you're not surprised. yeah, if you're in town at any point during that time, I'll invite you over and you can come see. But anyway, Amazing. let's get into we'll the get topic. Into- so. Why do we even want to talk about boundaries today? We have a bit of a backstory on why we've been pondering this. And when we talk boundaries, it's not just with strangers. It could be romantic partners. It could also be close friends, family members, people that you've known for a long time where you just get a little bit too comfortable. Yeah, it could also be ourselves. That was one of the biggest things that I thought of when we were even bringing up this whole topic of boundaries, because I think that we're all very different in the sense of like how we discipline ourselves or how we don't discipline ourselves. And I, for one, have not had very good boundaries with my own self. Like I haven't set any sort of restrictions for, you know, the things that I don't think I should do or I think are going to not benefit me at all later. Needless to say, I think both of us have had experience in our boundaries being pushed to the limit. And that's not not even from ourselves, but also from, you know, people and just different situations that we found ourselves in. I heard recently from an article that most people will have a huge list of the criticism that they say to themselves when something goes wrong. But when it comes to like celebration or praise, their list is very limited. And there's like a couple key things that they'll tell themselves, but it's not going to extend and it's not going to complicate itself, I guess, the praise into this stream of like consciousness, which our criticism often does do to us. So what are boundaries? I think that's important to define first and foremost. In my mind, boundaries is just something, it's like a line that you can't cross, but it has so much more to do with intention and thought rather than like the action itself. So what are boundaries in general? Because for me, it's like not crossing a line. And for me, it has more to do with the intention or maybe perceived attention in my case, rather than the action itself, whether it's like what I do or my friends do to me or, you know, partners, family members, whatever. So it's like, a base level of respect, but it's also consideration for like where I'm at, like the kind of person that I am, whether it's sensitive to certain things or, you know, just like needing certain things from certain people. It's complicated. It's very personal. Yeah. This thing that you put in place in order to make sure that you don't cross over into being someone that you don't feel you inherently are. When I think of boundaries, I think of it in a very personal sense, as in, For me and my morals and the person that I want to view myself as, the person that I want to, you know, wake up to every single day and feel good about being, I need to not cross these certain lines. And I think also, I mean, it is external too, because you have to have boundaries in your relationships and with work and in every situation in life, there's always going to be some sort of boundary that you set as far as how much you're willing to do, how far you're willing to go. What is the line between the thing that you're comfortable with and the thing that really undermines any sort of respect that you have for yourself or that other people have for you? And it is sort of vague. Like I don't, I don't want to say it in so many vague terms, but we're obviously going to get into specifics in a second. It is a lot though. Specifically in the recent months, I've just realized that if you don't have boundaries for yourself and your own actions, it's really easy for you to forget who you actually are and it's so easy to lose sight of yourself and you know what things are important to you what are your values what are your core traits that you aren't willing to compromise on it's definitely complicated for sure i would say for me i've honestly made like leaps and bounds in just treating myself better with more confidence with more encouragement since high school for sure i've come 
so far, but I would say like at the same time, sometimes it's not about progress and it's more about your current situation and how it's affecting you right now. And for me, I guess this topic rings a deeper bell around making sure that you treat yourself the way that you would want other people to treat you. And in that same regard, you also let people treat you in a way that they understand like this is what I'll tolerate and this is what I won't tolerate. Because I think where boundaries are easily crossed is when you just tolerate everything, whether that's you criticizing yourself or other people, you know, crossing your lines or disrespecting you or stepping all over you, whatever it is. And again, that's that definition is different for every single person. But it all comes down to like how it makes you feel. And of course, like that's something that's in our control too. Like you could change the way that you perceive something if it's more of an irrational line of thought. But if it's not, then oh gosh, it's about communication. It's about setting those lines and making sure that if they cross them, there will be consequences because your time is valuable. Your friendship is valuable and you shouldn't let people just step all over you. And I also think this is where introspection comes in, which I know we don't all like to do. Introspection is something that takes, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It takes a lot of time. It's vulnerable. It is. It's like, oh, I have to sit down and open my journal and start thinking about who I actually am as a person and then write it down. This is, I mean, I keep seeing people journal and make journaling part of like their everyday routines. But I love that because you could just write like a small bit, just do a little bit of reflecting, a little bit of just getting your thoughts out onto paper to help you understand more of yourself and what you want. And again, like really define what your boundaries are. It's something that I've noticed since the pandemic started. We're spending a lot of time with ourselves mm -hmm. and you are with yourself more than any other person. And I think that mm -hmm. that's both a blessing and a curse because it could be a really amazing thing if you're comfortable in your skin and you are giving yourself that daily mental nourishment and understanding like what your thoughts and feelings are. But if you don't take time to do that introspection, to do that work of recognizing what you're feeling at that moment, then you sort of lose sight and it makes it so that your brain just sort of feels foggy and you're just going through the motions rather than essentially bulleting the things that you need to get out on paper and focus on for the day, if that makes sense. Completely. It's so important to just do like a mental check or even just like, where are you at? How are you feeling right now? Especially if you're more of the emotional type. I know some people are more logical, but even then, like those emotions of I don't know, disappointment, fear, failure, anxiety, whatever, it could all accumulate. And sometimes we rely on people to just like ramble out our thoughts or express them, but it's not necessarily the most reliable and healthiest route. And at the end of the day, we have ourselves first and foremost. I take a lot of things that people say to me, especially people that are close to me quite personally. And it's not that, oh, like you say it and you know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm toppled over, whatever. It's more so like I think about it a lot. And I've realized that words are so important to me. And this is where I set a lot of my boundaries. You know, I'm like, okay, like these are the things that I need to hear. And these are the things that I don't want to hear. It's very interesting because I personally have come to experience so much growth because of the things that people have said to me that were maybe brutally honest. What's your viewpoint on honesty? You know, because honesty is great, but sometimes it can't cross boundaries. Like other people just being very blunt with you about certain things. Yeah. Or maybe they say things that have 
a line of truth to them, but it could come across as hurtful. Mm -hmm. I think it definitely depends on the intention. If it's coming from a friend and you ask them for their honest opinion, I think that's totally fine because you're expecting the truth, which again, the truth is always going to be subjective. You know, like maybe that person just has a very particular opinion of the thing that you're asking them to be honest about, but not many other people agree with it. So it really depends on who you're asking. You know, I would I would always trust like a very, very close friend that knows me, that knows my heart, that wouldn't intentionally say anything to hurt me. But in telling me the truth is only doing so to help me because otherwise, you know, if I'm not asking you for your honest opinion and I'm not that close to you and you don't really understand why I need that truth from you then of course it's going to be hurtful. Like, of course, you could take it in a billion different ways. And normally, like, that's what we do. Like, we tend to overthink the things that people tell us and wonder if everyone else is thinking the same thing. I always think coming from a friend and if you ask for it is is always a good sign. But I do think every day we spend time looking at other people we never really like see ourselves the way other people can see us like we can't step outside of our body and have a conversation with us or interact with us for the first time or the millionth time so there's something unique about the perspective that people have around uh, of you around you and i think that's why i tend to i tend to appreciate even like the hurtful things potentially hurtful things that people have said to me and I, i'll give some examples honestly you know I've been told in the past I was passive aggressive or, you know, like a little sensitive or honestly like a victimizer or whatever. And these are things, these are things that I truly, truly have self-reflected on because of that, especially if it comes from like multiple people. And so I think that it's important to essentially step back from like the initial hurt that you may experience and realize, oh, it's not that this person isn't respecting my boundaries. It's more so that they are actually wanting to give me some insight on myself and be there for me. So I think with boundaries, there's also this perspective of, you know, let's try to separate like the unconstructive criticism from the constructive ones. And when it is constructive because of this person's intention, like Emma said, then let's take it into deeper thought and let's make it something that could be good and used and valuable. I love that. I think that's extremely mature. And I have not gone about it in that way. Because for me, like my go to is to get defensive and to get hurt. Even if I don't show it, like I will be pondering whatever that person said. And maybe I'll ask my parents for validation or for them to tell me that that's not true. Like I will go crazy just dwelling on these things. But I love the idea of taking it and being like, maybe this is true. Maybe this is something that I need to work on on myself, especially if it's coming from multiple people. And I think if, you know, one person's telling you, it depends on the intention of the person. But if you need, get like multiple opinions and have your friends like just be blatantly honest with you and be like, hey, I want to fix this. And if this is a problem, I'd rather have it out in the open than mm -hmm. all these people thinking it, you know, underneath the surface and never saying anything. I think that's a sign of a good friend too, if they're willing to tell you that stuff. Seriously. But what about when it comes to say like romantic boundaries? For me, I do think this is like the most important boundary because again, like you're intimate with that person. It's so important that they respect you and do not cross lines, but it's almost hard to set those lines, especially if you're so open with them that you, you know, showcase all the self-criticism and all the self-hate and like stuff like that. If you don't even have your own boundaries in check and then 
they may kind of see that as this is what's acceptable in a sense. I think if it's physical boundaries, that goes without saying that you both need to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's not really the boundaries that we're talking about. But I guess if we're being like very literal about it, physical boundaries obviously goes without saying like you and your person like need to respect each other's boundaries. And like that should be openly communicated early in the beginning. Um, but I think like emotional wise and communication wise, like that's obviously where it gets really tricky because especially in a new relationship, you start to get to know someone and maybe to them, you know, this, this thing that they're telling you and the way that they're talking to you is just how they were brought up and it's how they have been in past relationships and it's how they're used to being. But to you, you're not used to that verbiage. You're not used to someone talking to you in this way and it's uncomfortable for you. And so I think honestly, as long as you communicate it and that person truly understands like why it is that you don't like the way that they say that word or, you know, talk to you in this tone, then it should be fixed. And if it's not, then that's obviously a more serious problem. But I think it all boils down to communication and just letting that person know, like, you're not going to tolerate it, it past like a certain point. Like you warn them, you let them know that it makes you uncomfortable and it hurts you. Your person shouldn't want to hurt you. So, I mean, I think it's as simple as exactly. that. Exactly. It's about personalizing an experience, a relationship for someone you care about to meet their needs and respect their boundaries. I think sometimes boundaries can filter into an identity thing. As in, sometimes if we feel like we're being self-critical and it's really getting us down, then we're like, oh, why are we, you know, why are we so weak? Why are we so sensitive? Or, you know, if someone, someone does something that hurts us and they cross the line, but we're afraid to tell them that what they did was wrong or that they can't do it again. And we're like, oh, like, why can't we just take this? Or why can't we just be okay with certain things? And it becomes like an us thing. It's like, why, why, why? Like, why can't I be more chill? Why can't I be more laid back? But I don't think it has to do with our inability to be criticism receivers or, you know, honesty receivers or whatever. It truly has to do with like our individuality and what shapes us and what triggers us. Not to use that word lightly, but it really does not have anything to do with us. And sometimes it's a vicious cycle when you literally like beat yourself down because you can't you can't just let people just be like open with you in all these different ways. I think if you are lying in bed at night hurting because of the things that someone said or because someone pushed your boundaries in a way that you just really can't see past, then you need to like draw the line at some point. I think it's definitely a balance of analyzing where you went wrong, if you went wrong, if they went wrong. And that's where, you know, you don't want to tell every single person in your group about your problems with like one person in your group per se. But if you have to get an outside perspective from a trusted person, from an unbiased party, from a parent, maybe that's like something that I've always found helpful. You want to find someone that's going to be a third party in this and get to see like, what is the actual truth of the situation? And if still it crosses that line of yours, then you can't compromise on that. Like you're just going to keep bottling up these little things inside. If you continue to push your own boundaries for the sake and satisfaction of other people, which I think is really easy to do, especially if you fall into the people pleaser category, you can just push that marker further and further and further to make someone mm -hmm. else feel better and to obviously minimize the drama, avoid confrontation. But then you're just letting it fester inside of you until one day you explode. I think it's hard to pinpoint every single situation and give every single situation the same treatment. But yeah, it's I, I think definitely if it's keeping you up at night and makes you feel uncomfy, like you simply just 
can't allow yourself to to change that for any other person because at the end of the day like you're with you you're with your heart and you're going to be feeling it rather than them don't compromise don't settle and don't feel personally crippled because you can't just deal with anything like and everything and what about work boundaries because this is something that is harder to manage especially if you are a go-getter and you want to you know be promoted or be successful or you know just be really praised by your boss like how do you set work boundaries in a like personal setting where you're working with maybe friends or in a professional setting this is also tough (laughs) i know for me i would say delegating is like the biggest thing that i found that helps me as in if you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you can't you know complete a certain number of tasks or do it to the best of your ability because quality over quantity right it's so valuable to not only communicate like, hey, like I feel like I have, you know, this shortfall in the learning curve sense, or I just have not enough time and too much work to do that requires this much effort, whatever. I think it really comes down to making sure that you find other people that are suitable for that job and giving small tasks to them and delegating and communicating beforehand. Because when it comes to work, Obviously, you're in a team, especially if you're in a big company, then your actions have ripple effects across the firm. And even if you're in like a smaller work environment with a couple of friends or something, that's still going to impact those few people. And so I think delegating and communicating beforehand and also being okay with, hey, like I can't do this right now. And that doesn't mean I can never do it or I'm not capable or I'm not good enough, but it simply is like the learning curve or the time constraint. And I have to just give it to others and let go of that control if I'm going to contribute to something happening on time. I think what's challenging is the situation where you really want to prove yourself in a job or in an organization and you're sort of busting your butt, working harder than ever. You want to do as much as you can, but at some point it becomes too much and you do have to mm-hmm. give yourself that rest and tell your boss or the person in charge of you that, like you said, I can't do this right now. This doesn't mean that I won't ever do it, but it's hard for me personally to decipher when it's okay to say that because sometimes I'm like, I mean, and this has happened before where I was tasked with way too many things for no pay and I had to do it all in a weekend, which didn't make any sense to me because I didn't see anyone else being saddled with that amount of tasks. Again, like we're unpaid. It was out of nowhere and it was a weekend. And so for me, it was just really hard to understand like why I have to do this. And, you know, at the same time, I wanted to complete those tasks and I wanted to impress my boss, but also it's not the work week. We're not being paid Mm -hmm. for this. What do you think you would say to someone in that situation? Because is it right? to take the rest that you need Mm -hmm. and like start on it first thing on Monday? Or like, do you take another road of like, I'm just going to get all of this done over the weekend and be the slave to this person? Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. That's where expectations come in. I think it goes back to what were the promises exchanged at the beginning? Was this something that you were already told to expect and you agree to it in advance? In an unpaid situation, I think it's even more important to make sure that like, that promise was solidified in stone before you ever entered and also like if it wasn't then you as the employee even though you're the underdog and you're at the bottom of the totem pole like you have every right to express like hey um i'm not going to be working during weekends this is something that 
I kind of like already expressed, you know, at the beginning or I already had in mind because, you know, 40 hours a week means during the week. And so you're going to start on Monday. And I think that's fine. And if they can't respect that, then I think it's more so, okay, like maybe this company is going to throw you a lot more curveballs than you expected. And maybe that's something you need to reevaluate like about the culture with your manager or whatever. So yeah, I think communication is the biggest thing here because if you do things that keep making you uncomfortable or keep making you feel like, oh, I'm just taking this and being a doormat, then you're probably going to build some sort of like irritation or just like bitterness toward that company or that role or that person. And at the end of the day, it's not going to contribute to your desire to do work, which usually contributes to better work and higher quality. We're going to obviously encounter those situations in the workplace and they're going to come in many different forms. But I think also one more thing is for those who feel like they are or not feel like they're overachievers, they are overachievers. They want to impress. They want to work hard every single day. They're trying for that promotion. They're just hard workers by nature. And I think for those kind of people, and sometimes I could be that in in the proper situation, in the proper workplace, (laughs) but I think that it's even more difficult to figure out where it is that you sort of draw that line if you are trying to just reach for the sky and go above and beyond with your work. Like when do you draw the line as far as being overtasked with things that you don't actually have to do or even for yourself saying, okay, this is my limit. Like this is where I know I'm working hard, but I'm not working to the point of absolute exhaustion. Mm -hmm. I think you described me in a nutshell and I think you know that (laughs) in a sense. I personally, this is hard because if I'm enjoying the work and I truly feel this drive in me, then I will just like keep going. And it doesn't matter because there's not this like feeling of like I'm exhausted. It usually comes later when it's too late. And then I'm like, oh, dang, you know, this is where checking in with yourself periodically becomes so ridiculously important because if you are heading toward burnout you may not even realize it until it's too late because it's an exponential path like you are going to keep going and going and going at faster and faster rates and then it's going to be almost like out of your control and i think that's where your mental state may go haywire you may realize that you're burning out before uh you have like a really good chance to just change the gears, change the habits, and maybe put some precautions in place, whether that's, okay, I'm going to make sure that I have this amount of downtime every day or exercise every day or eat a healthier diet or even just like set aside time to journal and meditate, go to church, all those things. Like I think it's important to set those routines in place before you burn out. But if you're a tireless worker and you have much at stake, you're not going to do those things until you burn out. And then you're going to realize, darn, these are the consequences and I should have done it earlier. So it's about being proactive, in my opinion, and also really grappling with that internal fear. Like, what are you so afraid of that you can't just like stop working or, you know, like cross something off the to-do list that's unnecessary? Like, what are you so afraid of? Especially if your life isn't at stake and your livelihood, like say paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, because I think sometimes you don't even see it. And I've definitely experienced this before where I'd be like glued to my phone, responding to messages back and forth, like doing as much as I can, even when I'm at dinner with my family, for example. And over the weekend, like I am just glued to whatever work that it is that I have to do because I won't feel like I can rest until I can get it done. And I mean, that's that's hard because you don't even notice that you're getting close to that point of burnout, just being proactive about it and planning it when you're in more of a state of calm, as opposed to planning it in the middle of the fire or right after you burn out. (laughs) I wish we could talk about this more because 
I feel like there's so much both of us could say. Yeah, we'll have to come around to another ep, guys. But with that, we'll get into endearing awkwardness. We missed this segment last ep, and we are so excited to share short, embarrassing stories as always. Emma, do you want to take it away? Yes. Okay. So I have a story from middle school. This is going back to my eighth grade boyfriend, circa like 2012. Um, my well, yeah. I don't even know if I count him as an actual like official boyfriend, but we did it for five months. Yeah. Count. So anyway, <laughs> we were in this class together and it was the last period of the day. This class was like insane. People just did whatever they wanted. We were on our phones. Like we were sitting on each other's laps. Like it was wild. It was there. I mean, there's practically no supervision. We would eat pizza. Like it was a lot. And so anyway, towards the end of my five month relationship with this guy, I wrote him a little love letter and it was silly. Like I drew us as little Aww. stick people. And I don't even know if it was a sad letter or a happy one. It was definitely cheesy though. And my teacher, he was a funny guy he liked to mess with us he saw me giving the letter to the boy in class we'll call him pip for for anonymity reasons but yeah so <laughs> so my teacher saw that i was passing in the letter and he threatened to show everybody the note if i didn't <laughs> stop and i was like okay like whatever so then i tore up the note because i got really scared that he was gonna tell like show everyone my letter and then a few minutes later i see my teacher this like 40 year old guy reaching into the trash and pulling out the ripped up letter and then mm. he goes to his desk he starts taping them the pieces back together <gasps> mind you i didn't do a good job at tearing them it was like four pieces of this letter um super easy to put back together and then he puts it on the little screen and projects it to the entire class yeah torturous yeah i don't even i mean honestly the memory is kind of vague to me so i can't remember if it was super cheesy or if it was dramatic or what it was but it was definitely embarrassing like obviously the whole class like eighth grade class is lit like watching my teacher display this letter and i just remember being so humiliated like embarrassing things always happen in that class i have so many other stories from it but yeah gotta love those middle school awkward relationships oh my god so dumb that's hilarious dude i would honestly do something like that if i was a teacher like call me crazy but like I yeah low-key love that because i mean it's just mortifying but also at least it's your boyfriend and not your crush like imagine if you were like confessing your love to someone that didn't know it that yeah. would be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it was just one of those things. I wish I could remember. Like, I wish I had the letter to tell you if it was really, really bad. But all I know is that I didn't want it to be shown, which is why I tore it in the first place. So, yeah. The funniest thing ever is reading back into your old diaries. Like, I would diary, like, so much. Like, dear diary, like, you know, write all the time when I was younger, like, from age 10 or something. And when I read back on it, I'm like, wow, you were a drama queen. And you also just cared so much about little things, which is our world when we're young. But as for my story, guys, this is a story of my first boyfriend. And I used the term boyfriend very lightly, as you'll soon understand. So I was in fifth grade. And as you know, this is when the hormones start kind of you know going a little crazy and you know you start like feeling butterflies and i started feeling butterflies probably in like kindergarten or something but let's just be real here like fifth grade is another dimension of that so <laughs> i basically was in the playground 
during recess and all the girls were just talking about crushes and you know who they have dibs on and who's super cute in class and like all these things and I think we're playing hopscotch or something like very just you know very kiddish and childish for the time and basically I kind of made this note that I found this guy attractive let's call him Jake Jake from State Farm (laughs) yeah Jake from State Farm and basically Jake and I um (laughs) Jake and I were competitive in class like you know I would say like he was he was someone that I admired and whatever and basically one day the girls in class forced him to ask me out to be his girlfriend and mind you this is the first time that I ever like you know had someone ask me to be their girlfriend so I was like oh my god oh my god I have to say yes I have to say yes so I said yes and then I basically ignored him for the entire day because I was so embarrassed and I wouldn't even talk to him like if he would talk to me I would literally run away and it was just so funny and so I get home and I'm still blushing and my mom is asking me what happened today and I'm literally like so nervous and like oh my god this boy asked me to be his girlfriend and I'm a girlfriend now and like all this stuff all this stuff and I was literally like so just like frantic about it and she was like oh my gosh you must really like him because you've never acted this way about a guy before like ever and guess what guys of course the next day I go in and I just can't deal with this anymore because I realized suddenly that I actually don't like him and I actually don't find him attractive. <laughs> so I go to him in the middle of recess. Everyone's watching, of course, because I already told my little girl squad was happening. <laughs> and I go and I'm like, hey, um, Jake, I'm sorry, but I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm breaking up with you. And he's like, what? And then he gets super sad and he gets super quiet. And then he doesn't talk to me. And yeah, that's the story of my awkward first relationship. And we never talked to each other. It was so bad. But then later, he actually became the twin brother of my best friend in middle school. So we hung out a lot after that. So it's quite interesting. I like but, the way you said yeah. that he became the twin brother. Later on, he was he was inducted into the twin brother Hall of Fame for your best friend. That is so funny. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of who it is. You could tell me after. I'm just like, that's hilarious and from that moment on he never yeah from that moment on he never trusted relationships again you sort of you set him off for the rest of his life he doesn't he doesn't view love the same anymore gosh wow what an end to a great episode amazing okay well thank you guys so much for listening be sure to follow at before we make it on instagram we have new episodes every thursday everywhere you listen to podcasts and if you feel so inclined leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. please please we would definitely appreciate it and comment a give me an emoji what kind of emoji should we have them comment comment a oh maybe this one like the finger one which one boundaries oh <laughs> i didn't know that meant boundaries i thought it meant like hmm. we're talking about the one where like you yeah. get your two index fingers and you make like a face like hmm. like you know what i mean it's like yeah. oh, like just like picture one of us like upset because our boundaries were crossed that's literally the cheesiest stupid oh my ever. gosh <laughs> okay here we'll give them an emoji comment a oh jesus is so hard we need more emojis also comment a black heart if you're still listening guys Oh, because super dark. the black heart like all sad equal parts love equal parts uh deep emotion <laughs> okay all right yeah that's fine do it black heart on our announcement episode we love y'all let's do it and guys 
we love you. Just, just, just to say it again, you know, sometimes the rambles get so otherworldly and I'm like, who, why is people, why is people listening? Oh my God. I can't talk. It's okay. We're getting delirious. Yeah. We'll go ahead and end it here, but yeah. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.